You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Have you ever wondered about who or what God actually is? I mean, really? Like, who? who is that guy? Well, if you're looking for a podcast with all the answers about who God is, it's going to help you better understand your faith, then you have come exactly to the wrong place. But if you're looking for a show that's going to ask the big questions, struggle with differing opinions of theologians smarter than yourselves, and leave you completely clueless, then you have found the perfect show. I'm just a dummy who loves God and loves theology and hopes to show my love for God by studying and thinking deeply about topics that people smarter than me have been thinking about for thousands of years. There have been tons of theories in and out of Christianity about this creator being this idea of like the first thing that created all the other things. And we, we tend to call that God. So the first thing in the, the first thing that created all the other things in the universe, God. So when we're talking about God, we're, we're kind of working under this presumption that that's what we're talking about. Now, is it a thing? Is it like a big bang, some molecules? Is it an essence? Is it a man in the sky? Is it a woman in the sky? Is it three beings in one? Is it one being? Is it thousands of beings in one? Like the Hindus believe. God, who, who knows? Who knows? Um, some say that the universe itself is God. Some say that God is in all things. So that's pantheism is that all things are our God. Panentheism is God is in all things. There's monotheism that there's one God. Then there's polytheism that there's many gods. And there's systems that have hierarchies of gods. There's one that has one main God and then other gods. There's a lot. Some imagine just an angry dude in the sky with lightning bolts. Some people say that God is just a construct representing the idea of love. Some say we are God. And that to truly be enlightened is once you discover what it means that you are God and to be reborn after you die, you come back reincarnated. Eventually you reach nirvana. You reach this realization that you are God and you're able to ascend this plane. Lots of different religions, lots of different philosophies, lots of different theologies, even within Christianity. That's kind of wondering who, what is he or she or it really when we're talking about God? First, we have to start with how how do we even know that this first being, this thing that we're calling God for today, how do we know that even exists? Um, Two important people that think about this is Thomas Aquinas and Immanuel Kant. So Immanuel Kant wasn't a Christian. He would consider himself a theist, not a deist. He used this argument, what we'll call today the moral argument for a god. He would say, if you look at the arc of the universe, the arc of humanity, what we discover is that there seems to be this desire for all humans to be better and better and better until we reach a perfect society. And in order for us to have that desire, that must exist somewhere. That goal must be achievable somewhere out there. So by necessity of that being what morality is, that morality seems to have a goal, and that that goal doesn't exist here now, Kant hypothesizes that there has to then be an afterlife where that is possible. For there to be an afterlife, there has to be something outside of this life, and that's sort of his argument for God. C.S. Lewis later on kind of takes his own thing from Kant's thing. He has his own moral argument for the universe. He has a lot of different arguments for the existence of God. C.S. Lewis is a great study on this. Um, 
But he'll argue for the moral thing. C.S. Lewis more or less argues that we all have this sense of good or bad. He will then compare some of the dualist theologies and say that actually doesn't work because it has these things as equal. But clearly we prefer good over bad. You know, when you have someone give candy to a baby, we tend to prefer that over someone who takes candies from babies. Um, You know, he, he looks at, you know. The things of there being many gods, some are good, some are bad. And he says, well, the thing is that all of them seem to be compared to this other standard that is good. And things that are bad are bad because they're not good. And that's sort of how we define bad. It's just something that's the opposite of good or not good. He'll take this argument eventually all the way to just saying that it has to be a definitive good. Capital G, what is good? And to Lewis, that'll be God and lesser things are evil or bad. And there's not a duality. There is a, we're trying to reach good. That is God. And that's an extension of Immanuel Kant's theory of morality having a goal. Thus, there needs to be an afterlife. Thomas Aquinas had, had kind of did more of a cosmological argument for the divine or for God. Um, Thomas Aquinas is a very important theologian in Christianity, especially in Catholic thought. Um, he he more or less argued that, and, and I, I actually really like this argument. I think he's probably my favorite, even though my co-host on my other podcast does not like Thomas Aquinas. I think for this one, I, I kind of like his argument that in order for something to be, something else had to make it. More or less, a system can't create itself. Systems aren't self-perpetuating, which means there had to be something that started the perpetuating, that started everything in motion in the first place. Um, look at modern age science. A lot of people say that's the Big Bang. Um, you get an argument of, no, there can't be a Big Bang. God spoke everything into existence. But then some people say, well, the Big Bang was God speaking everything into existence. And then some people will say, even if you look at the science, there had to be something before the Big Bang that caused that, and that thing would then be God. Thomas Aquinas says, nothing in a system can create, like, like it, there's no such thing as they're perpetuating in that way. Thus, there has to be something outside of creation that started everything else in motion. There are tons, like hundreds of other arguments for how we can prove that there is a God, whatever that is or whatever that means. Um, If you want to hear more about this kind of apologetics, how do we prove there was or is or could be a God? Check out another show on the network, My Seminary Life by Brandon Knight. He's doing a series right now that is phenomenal on that. Okay, so then let's say for now we're just going to accept that there's a God. Because, again, I, those seem like some pretty good arguments. I know there's a lot of good arguments against the existence of God, but those seem like good for me. And that's something that I take and that I stand by, that there is a God. Um, Thomas Aquinas really won me over mostly. But um, also, C.S. Lewis does one. It's not strictly meant to be apologetic. But the four loves, he breaks down all of the human loves and how it's actually a taste of something better. And the, the idea of love itself doesn't seem like it makes biological sense, like it would just occur naturally. Like, yes, the romantic lust, some of those things, we need people to have sex to keep creating things. But like some of the other things, it's like, yeah, may, maybe it came up, but maybe there's something more than just the biological factor. Um, but what he does is he breaks down and he shows where friendship love can become evil, toxic, and isn't really very good. And then he does the same thing with family love, yeah, and he shows how it has fault and how it's not really perfect. Um, same thing with romantic love. Um, he, he goes through all of these different kinds of love and what we mean by love and shows how they all have fault and they kind of fall short. 
but they're all kind of reflecting the same thing. When we say love, we mean a bunch of different things. I love blueberries. I love my mom. I love my wife all in different ways. And yet that word love still seems to mean something. And it all kind of points towards the same thing. That's kind of the capital L love agape is what he'll say, which is God's love. It's charity. It's love without anything in return. Altruism, which makes no sense in a world without a God. Altruism shouldn't exist. And yet none of our loves truly function without this altruistic love that says, I'm going to be selfless and do this just for love, nothing in return. And without that altruism part, all of our other loves fail eventually. So it wasn't meant to be an apologetic thing that he did. But for me, that's one of the best arguments for there being a God. Okay, moving on. What do we mean by God? Who or what is God? Well, the book of First John says uh, God is love. So people say, you know, that also means love is God. You can do it both ways. God and love are the same thing. The idea of love is God, which is, you know, goes back to that other argument. You know, it's a good one of all of our human love seem to fall short. So there is a greater love and that love is God. Personally, I like that one. I think it's pretty good. Um, God is Trinity. You know, there's an entire rich doctrine of what the Trinity is. How can thing, there be a God that's three in one? A lot of Hebrew and Islamic believers kind of get our belief confused on that. And they say, okay, well, you have three gods. And the Bible clearly says there's only one God. But we know that's not what we mean. We know that there is one God in three. And it's something that people have struggled to try to explain forever. And it hurts my brain just to think about it. But there's God the Father, who is the creator of all things, who sent the Son. The Son is Jesus, who is God incarnate, who died for us and rose again. And through him, we can be reunited with God. And then there's God, the Holy Spirit, who helps us today mediate to God. Without him, we can't mediate to the rest of God. And there's there's a ton. Hopefully, we'll do an entire episode on the Trinity at some point. But that's an important part of what Christians mean when we say God. that other people don't mean. Um, I find it interesting that the Hindu believers also believe that there's limitless gods. Thousands and thousands, literally limitless, they believe. Any family could have their own, but they're all just one God. So there's many in one. So it's kind of a very similar belief to what Christians have, even though what they think of God and gods and what those gods and God do and behave like and all that is quite different from the Christian and Jewish God, not necessarily evil or bad, but very different. Um, some people think the universe is God. Even some Christians will argue this, that everything is God. And when we die, we become one with God because our spirit moves on to the greater universe. If you watch How I Met Your Mother or other shows, you know, they'll talk about the universe wielded, the fate, that kind of stuff. That seems like a really flimsy thing for me because if the universe is God, again, I go back to that Thomas Aquinas thing. Well, how can nothing create everything? Something had to be before the universe. Something had to happen before this contained event. We know that everything is in motion, that everything is expanding. We also know that general scientific rules of Newton's laws, all that kind of stuff, says that something outside the system had to put something in motion or else it would have never started in motion. So God is the universe is a little iffy for me. Um, you know, what does it mean for God to be a father, for God to be a son, for God to be the Holy Spirit? What does it mean that God is the word? There's this word logos in the book of John that says, in the beginning was the word, the word was God, and the word was with God. And we know that word actually has a rich meaning in Greek philosophy. Um, 
largely it looks very similar to what we mean by wisdom with capital W in the book of Proverbs. But, you know, it's this logic. It is this philosophy. It is truth itself. Um, it, it can, it's a lot of things. And the Bible says that God is the word. The word is God. So, okay. Basically, I have no idea. I don't know what we mean by God. If we mean love, I mean, it seems weird to say he or she. If we mean the father, well, yeah, that should be a he. Uh, if we mean wisdom with capital W, well, that's referred to as a she in Proverbs. If the word is God, then should we say she maybe? I don't know. In Genesis 1, it says they, or it says we. So should we say they when referring to God? I don't know, guys. I have no idea. But if there's a God, are they imminent or transcendent? So we talked about earlier, God is the universe, or you know, this pantheism or panentheism, that God is in all things. Imminent is this belief of panentheism, that God is in everything. He is in all of us. Transcendent is the idea that, you know, of God up in the sky looking down on us or up in another dimension looking down on us or viewing us from afar. Um, it's really interesting. When we look at verses like... Um, Colossians 1.20 that says, Through him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. So things are existing through him or in him. You know, the verse before says fullness to dwell in him. So Colossians 1 seems to point to this panentheism kind of thing of God in all things. Um, look at Jeremiah verses, chapter 23 and 24. It says, can a person hide himself in hiding places so that I do not see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord? So he is everywhere. He's all places, in all things, around all things. God is everywhere. But then you also have verses like Isaiah 6, 1, that says, In the year of King whatever's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted. So he's up on a throne somewhere. Um, another one is Psalm 103, 11. Um, God being as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. So he's in the heavens far above the earth somewhere. So which is it? Is God in all things? Is he everywhere? Is he all the places in heaven and earth? Is he in all of us? Are we dwelling in him like Colossians says? Is he a man in the sky? Is he on some throne high above like Isaiah 6 says? Or is he in heaven far, far away like Psalms 103 kind of says? Again, I have no idea. Next question is, can God be gendered? Does, is he male? Is he female? What is it? Um, does marriage reflect God? You know, Ephesians 5, 22 through 24 says this thing of um, just as Christ is the head of the church, man should be head of wives, wives should submit to, the, of course, the verse before that says that everyone should submit to one another. But there does kind of seem to be this thing of like, okay, so the husband and wife kind of reflects God in the church. Some people even say children reflect the Holy Spirit. I think that gets some kind of weird, sketchy stuff, but... There's this theology of maybe marriage is meant to reflect God so that we see that God is man and wife. God is both things, maybe. I don't know. Song of Songs, a lot of people think the Song of Solomon or is about God and is just kind of a metaphor. To me, that's really creepy, so I, I don't go there. But some people see that and they see God as the male figure and the church is the female figure, which is the same thing that we kind of see in Ephesians. So maybe God is male and the church is female. We're all the females. Um, is there a hierarchy in gender? So, you know, if we're going to say that we're using Ephesians 5 and stuff, then does that mean that man is above the woman? Is God, is Jesus is above us, right? So is that a thing? I mean, I mentioned earlier, it says everyone submit to one another. So is there a hierarchy in gender? Are men better? I don't think the Bible teaches that. In fact, women play more prominent role in a lot of places of the Bible and even show the men up. 
So that's kind of, that gets kind of weird. What about Jesus' gender? Does that say something that God, when he was incarnate, was a man? Does it say something that the book of John starts with before giving us the Jesus story instead says, I think it skips the Jesus story and it says, says God was the word, which is this wisdom, this female entity in Hebrew culture. Does that say something? Who knows? Can we deconstruct? Can we take this idea of Mago Dei, which is the idea that God created us everyone in his image, which is what the Bible says. Can we take that and learn who God is? Can I take what it means for me to be a male and learn something about God and take what my wife as a female and figure out what that means for her and learn something else about God? Can we take what it means for us to be embodied people and learn who God is? Um, I would say, yeah, yeah, because God's known in creation. Romans 1.20 says it's very evident from the very things in creation, the unknown things that God are made. Um, but I would also say no sometimes because, you know, man has sinned. We've perverted nature and God has never sinned. You know, you see weird birth defects and crazy things happening when people are born. You see people born with serious psychological differences and it's, it's a problem, but God's never sinned. So God doesn't have genetic defects or anything like that. So we can't learn. We can dissect it and we can learn something, but there's also this issue of when we see the problems and human genetics and how people are born, clearly that's not from God. Um, Psalms 51.5 says, Behold, I was brought forth in guilt, and, sin, and in sin my mother conceived me. So sins affected us from birth in some way. What that way is, who knows? We'll discuss that at some other time. Some people believe we all inherit guilt from Adam. Some believe we all inherit sin from Adam. Some believe Adam wasn't even real and it's just a metaphor. We'll get to that some other day. Yeah, some other day. Can we deconstruct creation outside of humanity to learn more about the creator? Can we look at, um, you know, the trees, the sun, the moon, all those things? Do they teach us something about God just by looking at creation? Do you know that verse in Romans 1? Again, it kind of says that. Uh, C.S. Lewis, though, he says, you know, if all we had was creation, yeah, we would think God was loving, God was beautiful, all these things. But we'd also think God was terrifying, um, cruel, evil. We would think a death was a part of God. Poison? Uh, that, doesn't quite, that doesn't quite work either. So that gets a little, I don't know what to say about that. And thus I'll go forward. What does it mean to say that God is love or that God is the word? We talked about that earlier. Some people will say, we say God is love. That does not mean that love, that does not mean that love is God. You can't switch the two. That God is love, but God is also other things. So love is not God. So that you can't just do a simple equal. Um, the problem with that, though, is that he makes it very evident that he studied Aristotle heavily. And Aristotle was the one who kind of created basic logic formulas. This is one of those places where John is very clearly using that formula that those who are born in this Greek culture were aware of. God is love. It's a simple, equal formula, which the way that formula works is you, if you flip the two, then you can kind of add the no, but you can't add the no elsewhere. What it means is you can't say that not God is love or not love is God. I can't say that if there's no God, there is no love. Because it could be that there is love without God. That could be possible with this statement, given the way that logic works. But if I flip it, then I can do the no thing. I can't say that if there is no love, there is no God, because God is love. And that's just kind of how that argument works. If you're going to add the no's, you can. You have to flip the statement. You can't just add no's there. Um, you might ask why. Let me let me do one. Um, a square is a rectangle. That's a true statement. What I cannot say is 
if it's not a square, then it's not a rectangle. Because we know of lots of rectangles that clearly aren't squares. So that doesn't work. But if I want to add the nose, I have to flip it. So I can say if it's not a rectangle, then it's not a square. Well, that's true because all squares are rectangles. And that's just kind of how the logic works. God is love. So I can't say if it's not God, it's not love. What I can say is if it's not love, it's not God. And that's a really important thing. I think it was worded that way intentionally. If you look at how Greek logic works, it seems that that's what's going on there. And that's what the author had intended. But there's more. There's Pythagoras. He kind of had all that thing with logos and all the things that I was talking about earlier. He really delved into. There's also this idea of logos being harmony. So if we're going to say the word was God, harmony, reasoning, wisdom was God, it doesn't say God was the word. So again, this is a time of Greek logic. What we know is that it, what it's saying is you can't say if there is no wisdom, there is no God. What you can say is if there is no God, there is no wisdom because Wisdom comes from God. That actually makes perfect sense, but also because wisdom is God. The word was God. I don't know if that helps you at all. Um, to me, it's really confusing to try and like put that logic together. What does that mean? What does that mean for my life? How do I apply that to my life? I have no idea. I look at all these arguments and I think, you know, there's probably seems seems like a, a good chance that there's a God. Um, no idea if I could say he's male or female, given some of the things given here. You know, in the book of Isaiah, it also says God's like a mother giving birth. I so mothers used to refer to God. Fathers used to refer to God. Wisdom, which is a female, is used to refer to God. Jesus was actually male when he was here. Um, there's verses that say that God's in all things, was all th every is everywhere. There's verses that say that he's on a throne somewhere high above. There's heavens are far away from the earth, but also God fills everything. So I don't know where he is. I don't know what gender he is. I don't really know what he is. I'm pretty sure that God exists. Um... I know that God is love. The word is God. I know that I can't just say that God's not those things or that those things aren't God. That's all I got. That's all I got, guys. So I hope you all are just as confused as I am and that you're inspired to study more, to learn more from great theologians like the ones we talked about today, Thomas Aquinas, Emmanuel Kant, more thinkers like them. Um, hope you're encouraged to think more deeply on this topic going forward in your own faith journeys. Um, thank you all for joining this dummy on my journey to learn more about God and to love him better. I hope this has encouraged you to worship God in your own thinking and to keep on struggling. This was an Anazao Ministries podcast. If you'd like to check out other shows like this, be sure to subscribe to the network.